0: flame the classic metal podcast with rev taylor and darren wall reviews interviews and conversation since 2021
1: hello once again and welcome back to yet another episode of deep diving heavy metal nerdery on keepers of the flame the classic metal podcast your source for all things heavy metal, classic metal. And, you know, this week, a little bit of thrash metal because we have a very cool, um, album to review this week. Um, it's a Sunday night. It's time to sit back with a beverage of your choice, crack it open and relax. Um, I, this week have chosen from old stove brewing company in Seattle, Dortmunder export style lager. It is quite a tasty beverage. Um, I haven't had too much from old stove, but these guys have been around Seattle for a minute. Um, this may be a little hoppier than I'm used to for this German style, but you know what? It goes down easy. It's a tasty beverage, so in the end, that's all that matters. Uh, with me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Rev Taylor. How are you doing this week, my man?
0: Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm, uh, I'm pretty tired. Starting a new job at a summer camp, so I'm running around with kids all day, uh, and it's a LARPing summer camp. So uh, we're, we're talking about casting spells and sword fighting and making bows and arrows. Um, so yeah, I kind of feel like I've been hit by a train. Um, a train of, of tiny, nerdy children. It's um, so, kind of
1: like um, playing a Greyhawk show.
0: Yeah, right? You know, it's not that different. <laughs> so it's, really, it is a lot of the same skills come into play. Um, managing a crowd of unruly people, whether they're adults or
1: kids. Exactly. Or I mean, when when adult metal heads up too much to drink at a show like ours, they tend to become like children. So, you know, it's all the same, really.
0: Yep, it's not that different. So, uh, yeah, it took me, I I was in a bit of a rush this evening to get ready for the podcast, and and I didn't even grab an alcoholic beverage. So I just have a a seltzer. I've got orange vanilla. And then uh, once I kill this, I've got ruby red grapefruit. Wow, yeah.
1: we got yeah, taster, you got a got taster flight. Yeah, right. I'm a big seltzer. Fan. I'm a big seltzer fan myself. As I have drank tasty LaCroix beverages on the podcast before. Yeah, fully totally endorse the seltzer, both the alcoholic and non-alcoholic. type. That's right. I will drink a white cloth. They're delicious. I'm a basin bitch. Deal with it. Absolutely, <laughs> right there with you. So this week, um, we have last week we reviewed a very new band. This week, we are not reviewing a new band, but we have a really, really awesome record to review. This week, we are talking about the new album by Flotsam and Jetsam called Blood in the Water. I loved it. Um, I was just, I don't know, man. I was just really happy to listen to this for for the last week or so, uh, and I'm going to keep listening to it because it's a kick-ass record. What do you think?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Really enjoyed it. Um, I've been... A- I don't know about a fan exactly, but definitely an admirer of these guys um, for their past several albums. Uh, and this is definitely a new high point for them. So looking forward to to talking about some of the details and specifics, because this is an interesting band that's been around for a long time. Um, I think they've earned a lot of respect in the scene, but at the same time, uh, they've remained kind of underground. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there, maybe not necessarily our listeners, but maybe some of them who haven't heard Flots of a Jetson before, so... It's quite possible.
1: I think it's a name that you hear a lot, um, and one of the reasons for that we'll get into it in a minute. But this band has been around since, in one form or another, since nineteen eighty one. It's almost as old as me. And that's pretty old. <laughs> um, so it was formed by a couple guys, and they called it Paradox at first. Um, it was known as Dreadlocks and <laughs> Dogs with, his, you know, <laughs> which is the second Z kind of thing we've. I haven't talked about that since Aiden Steele. Gods. Gods. (laughs) So they become, in 84, they change their name to Flotsam and Jetsam, which I believe is a marine term of some sort. Um,
0: Yeah, it's it's just a term meaning stuff floating in the water. hmm. Flotsam is stuff that's um, fallen off ships accidentally, and Jetsam is stuff that's been thrown overboard on purpose.
1: So it's a cool Um, name. I like it.
0: Yeah, it's a cool name. I think it actually, in this form um I think I read somewhere that it comes from a chapter title from um it's either the Hobbit or the Lord of the Rings from one of the Tolkien books It's a chapter title called Flotsam and Jetsam mm-hmm. but every now and then it's something you hear if you're out sailing and you're like mm-hmm. oh look there's some Flotsam and Jetsam up there in the in the water like steer yeah. clear
1: so this yeah this band has quite the history and most notably and one of the reasons why a lot of people know this band is because there's a Metallica connection uh, Mr. Jason Newstead was in this band Um, for their first debut album, um, Doomsday for the Deceiver, which is an absolute classic record, it's awesome. Um, so he's in the band for that one, and then you know, he makes a what I would say was a very sound career decision, um, monetarily, Mm -hmm. uh, and joins Metallica for right before they released their two biggest albums. Um, so they had that one, and they released uh, "No Place for Disgrace," which is another really, really great record. And they put those out on the old school Metal Blade um, back, in, back in the eighties. Um, from there, you know, they they get they garnered some notoriety with those albums. So they got signed to MCA in 80, in eighty nine. They're on MCA from eighty nine to the mid nineties. Um, they put out a couple of records then, um, and then they go back to Metal Blade uh, for the last half of the nineties. And, you know, they keep going they're, they're, They keep going for a while And then they um, In 2012, I remember they released that album called Ugly Noise, and mm-hmm. it is an apt title Because that album sucks <laughs> It is Ugly Noise And, you know, they just Basically, I think they Played a bit under a different name But they kind of vanished off the radar In the 2010s, you know, they weren't really You know, no one was really hearing much From them, or seeing much from them And then, um I think they started, they, there was rumors they were getting back together and they got that uh, they got like that drummer from Shadows Fall or something for a minute, but then he leaves and they get Ken Mary in the band and that guy just rules. So they make, make that album End of Chaos in, I think that was, I don't remember when that was. It was a little while ago and it, it is fucking awesome. So then that kind of signals that they're you know kind of getting back in, in the saddle, so to speak. And now, this year, um, just a few weeks ago, I can't remember the exact date it came out, but we got Blood in the Water, which is their 14th studio album. That is a lot of studio albums. They're, I looked up how many EPs and singles they had, and it's just dozens. like, dozens. Um, there's a couple live albums, and, you know, now we get to this album. Um, and, it, you know, some people are saying it might be their best one to date. And, you know, there's an argument to be made there. It's a very, very cool album. This is by far the thrashiest album we've talked about on this podcast, by far. It's, yeah. it's going more out of the classic power wheelhouse that we kind of talk about. <laughs> Sorry, into the uh, thrash metal uh, realm. But this, to me, this band really does a good job here of melding melodic power metal, classic metal elements um with the aggression of of thrash metal and creating a really cool formula for <laughs> what amounts to be a very original sounding and kick-ass record
0: yeah i remember i first heard these guys i'd never heard of them before um that i could remember at least and then uh this is back when you were in skeletor and you opened for hammerfall and flotsam and jetsam was the direct support that's right and um and to me the big takeaway from that show as much as you know you guys played a good set hammerfall was really fun but the big takeaway for me was wow flotsam and jetsam but never heard of these guys and they're really interesting and they're really cool because they absolutely kicked ass at that show um and that was kind of still in support i guess of their self-titled album from 2016 which is the first album of theirs that i really dug into I went back and checked out some of the older stuff after that. That album is, uh, it's a little, maybe a little inconsistent here and there, but it's got some great material on it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was was a band that really just like grabbed my attention from kind of the moment they hit the stage. And a lot of it is their vocalist, Eric A.K. Um, Eric Knutson, I guess, is what the K stands for. But um, this is just a really unusual vocalist. I can't really think of anyone who does quite what he does. He, he really spins out these really intricate kind of longer vocal lines, especially than what you'd expect to hear in thrash. And I think it's a lot of why this band has a really kind of unique and interesting sound is because the vocal approach is uh, really, really singular. I can't think of anyone else who quite sings like he does.
1: No, it's like if the guy from Exodus could sing. Kind of, <laughs> I was like, this is like what Exodus would sound like if they had a good singer. I mean, Exodus probably shouldn't have a good singer. They're good the way they are, nice and ugly. But um, at least, you know, before Rob Dukes was in the band ruining everything. But um, they, uh, you know, they, these, these guys are like a thrash band with a really good singer and a good sense of melody. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's kind of where they get some of the the power metal kind of sounds is because he can sing these long sustained lines and he can sing the high notes and he can uh, just bring a level of uh, vocal expression uh, and kind of musical depth, I guess, that you don't often hear from metal vocalists in general, but certainly not from thrash. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, to, it's, it's one of the main attractions to me listening to this band is, 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 uh, such an interesting vocal approach. And it, it just, even the songs that I don't like as much, everyone has some sort of interesting moment where I go, oh, that's interesting. That's that's a little different. Um, and I have to say, like, as a vocalist, he's been a big influence on me too, just in terms of how he constructs his vocal lines. If you listen to a Greyhawk song, like Black Peak, for example, that's, you know, I wasn't really a conscious thing, but I think you—you you, I was listening to this album and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, there's actually a couple of Greyhawk songs that I think owe a little bit to his vocal approach because I've definitely learned a lot from listening to him.
1: Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, pro- production-wise, this is a very modern-sounding record. Uh-huh. Um, if you do not like modern-sounding production, this will probably not be something that you're into. Um, it's heavily sampled. Um, there's a, I mean, there's some tuning on the vocals, but not a lot. There's, def- there's definitely a lot of effects and you know, filtering and fun shit going on. It is a big sounding record and it's a big budget studio and it sounds like that. Um, so, you know, take it or leave it. Um, it, it, it sounds like an Andy Sneap record. I don't even know who produced this to tell you the truth. I think Ken Mary does some producing doesn't he? Doesn't he?
0: Interesting. It, I, I don't know. Let me look and see here. Cause I've got their discography up on, um, metal archives now and let's see what comes up for production lineup does it say on hmm.
1: I couldn't find anything
0: yeah um, interesting interesting yeah I'm not sure so um, I think
1: I think Ken Mary does some recording and producing stuff I think he did the latest Fifth Angel disc if I'm not mistaken I could be talking on my ass there but um, and that is another big sounding record I can definitely hear similarities in the production between that one and this one uh, it's very much like modeled after the modern Andy Sneak kind of Things so you know, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what you're gonna get. You're gonna get big, over heavily sampled, you know, very clean, very punchy drums. You're gonna get guitars that are, you know, pretty digital um, and reamps, and, you know, then the bass is gonna be really, really big and bouncy and compressed, but it all sounds good. You know, um, it's not the kind of production that typically gets me excited. But I don't hate it. You know, it's, mm. it's not the kind of thing where I'm going to sit back and go, man, somebody did a number on this one. This is a great production. This is, this is the was big modern metal production. Um, but it sounds, it sounds rad.
0: I hope you like Tom's
1: yes. big, big drum
0: fills. and that's I, so do, that's...
1: I do like that. That, that, that. that part of it, the drumming is actually, like the drumming performances are a big highlight for me. I can hear some of the edits, to be honest with you. Um, But that's okay. I mean, this is 2021. No one thinks we're, you know, doing takes front to back and cutting tape anymore. Those days are dead. So um, it's production wise. It does sound very cool if I was to offer one of my few criticisms of this record is it is maybe a little overproduced. Mm. It would be, would be my one, I would, could be a little more organic, but in the end, it creates an awesome, it does create a cool listening experience. You know, I got a new truck. I got a new forerunner, It's got a kick-ass stereo in it. This thing sounds pounds on the fucking stereo. It's really fun to listen to in there. And, you know, on the big system, at home, it sounded really good. On headphones, it sounded really good. So, you know, I'm just speaking about my personal preference um, when it comes to sound. But technically speaking, there's nothing wrong with this production. It's really big it's really and modern.
0: Yeah. I mean, in a far less technical sense, it, you know, that, that bo- I've got like a box in my, in my mind. That's like, am I stoked on the way this sounds? Does this give me that metal feeling of wanting yeah. to, 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 you know, stomp on the accelerator and pump my fist and bang my head? And yeah, it absolutely does. In the, end, that,
1: in the end, that's all that really matters. Right. You know, like I can talk about again, like this beer I'm drinking, I could talk about the different ways it's not exactly to style, in in the classic German, you know, brewing tradition and how it doesn't exactly cater to my palate perfectly and et cetera, et cetera. But in the end, it's an enjoyable drink and I'm going to drink it and probably have another one. You know, like, and then the same thing with this one. Like, it is, a, is it sound, is it overproduced? Yeah, probably. Is it edited a lot? Yeah, probably. Does it matter? Not really. Because I listened, I've listened to it like 20 times. So clearly I like it. But anyway uh let's dive into this one um so (laughs) continuing the trend of 2021 we get yet another title track to kick off the album it just seems to be a thing bands do now um nothing wrong with it is a is a trend that i'm noticing that probably i'd say like at least a third of the records we reviewed this year that's the case yeah it it, it just seems to be a thing that bands are doing now and it's kind of cool um so this one comes right out of the gate swinging like this is some serious thrashy madness that's interspersed with like some cool like, you know, melodic parts, a lot of guitar harmonies. Um, again, this one, this is the first time I said to myself when I listened to it, I'm like, this just sounds like Exodus with a good singer, especially <laughs> on, on this song. Um, the, sol- the guitar solo is really solid. Um, it's nothing amazing, but I guess the point across and the tone is great on the guitar solo. Thank mm-hmm. you very much for dialing in some cool effects and making that solo, you know, fit the music. I really appreciated that. Um, one clocks in about the four-minute mark. It gets in, it does its thing, it leaves you wanting a little bit more. It doesn't stick around too long. But, you know, it, I, I thought this was a great way to open the record.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's... Um, one thing I like right off the bat, as soon as the verse kicks in, is that... Like you said, it's a really frenetic kind of thrash attack you got this it's, I can't remember the exact rhythm but it's it's this uh very aggressive very busy rhythm uh very fast but then you get the the vocals coming into the verse and it's actually quite a long um, slower vocal line they can smell blood in the water and you get it right under it and that yeah it's always a really effective thing for me to have that contrast between a soaring long line and the, the busy kind of burning you know bubbling kind of boiling sound underneath uh, so that's that's really effective and already shows a, a cool sense of musical balance and a sense of intention that that lets you know you're in good hands, kind of from the very beginning.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, this one, like I said, it's it's that you, 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 the beat you talked about. It's just that classic Bay Area thrash beat. Mm. You know, it's like it's straight out, it's straight out of the you know you know Exodus and Testament and Death Angel and all these guys. They they do that all the time. It's that Bay Area kind of like punk beat on steroids and like you said it's got a it's got a pretty phonetic riff over it you know the guitars sound nice and meaty and crisp and um yeah and he's just you know wailing those vocal lines over top of it And yeah this is this is a rad song and it really does set the tone good for the record i think it was a good choice for an opener
0: you mentioned the the barrier thing i guess flotsam and jetsam would be considered a west coast band although they're kind of west coast adjacent this may be the only good thing that has ever come out of Phoenix, Arizona.
1: <laughs> I've never been to Phoenix, Arizona. I don't know much about it. So yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Since I never heard of nothing else, you're probably right. Um, anyway, yeah. So that one, that starts things off. Uh, we move right along to the next song, which is called Burn in the Sky. Um, and you can hear, this one really displays like, you know, the nice, the, the richness of the guitar tone right off the bat. This seems like, down-tuned heavy guitars that you know. There's like some nice hammer-on pull-off riffs going on. Um, this one is just again like pure. Th- then it, after this, there's a little um, little intro. Then we get into like pure thrash metal again. Um, the first verses-
0: a, a little closer to mid-tempo, I guess. It's a little chunkier kind after of after the after the after the intro. It, it does yeah, the verses right, right. get a
1: little bit. Like more of a chugga chugga thing. And then, like, the pre chorus goes a little bit half. They even go to halftime in the, in the pre chorus. Yeah. And then um, the chorus itself is very memorable. It's very simple. It's basically the name of the song, you know, with a few other lines wrapped around it. So it's definitely um, a sing along chorus. Uh, but we're seeing, we're starting to see here is there's some variety. You know, you're not going to get, it's not going to be an everybody polka kind of straight up thrash record. There's gonna be some shifts, there's gonna be some tempo changes, there's gonna be some dynamic shifts. Um, So that kind of got me excited. The song is about four minutes and the formula is similar to track one, but there's enough little dynamics that are different that keeps you interested.
0: Yeah, well, as I mentioned before on the first track, the vocals over the verses are, uh, you know, it's actually a much slower rhythm uh, that that the vocalist is singing uh whereas in the second song uh in burn the sky we get a much quicker delivery from him in the verses The yeah. he is rising fast and furious The midnight air hair is warm and dry so then it's it, it just melds with the music differently it gives the song a, a different feel even if the tempo is similar at points um, but something the first two songs have in common is a
1: huge chorus yep absolutely yeah. and that's the thing that you know, we've we've talked about this really important, (laughs) you know, if you're going to write songs that are kind of like, you know, in, I guess what you would call them the rock or pop tradition, you know, the chorus is important because it's the part that people are going to remember and are going to sing, especially if you're just going to go verse pre-chorus, chorus, chorus, verse pre-chorus, chorus, chorus, middle section, you know, and then repeat the whole thing. That chorus has got to be catchy because it's probably going to appear four or five times. Yes, yeah. so it's it's definitely this one is definitely like a sing along deal when the when the when the chorus hits it's very very simple but it's very very effective. Uh, you got anything else for that one or? Um,
0: this one I didn't have as much specifically about although I I mean I certainly enjoyed it. It's uh I kind of feel like the first three tracks are kind of a just make a really solid block mm-hmm. But to me if, every time I listened to it it was like those first three songs really you know they didn't blend together they have distinct characters but they really flow together nicely
1: it's setting the it's setting the um um the uh it's, it's setting the tone nicely for sure but yeah so going into speaking of the first three songs swinging to the next one brace for impact i thought this was a neat one um it seems to be some kind of cautionary tale i'm not really sure what he's warning us about but you know he's maybe it's, i don't know if it was like an asteroid hit the earth or some kind of thing He seems to be warning us about something um I really like the bass work on this one. Cool. Um, the, the, the production and that bounciness um, uh, really, really shines through, especially in the early parts of this song. Um, the riff is super catchy, um, and then after the solo, you know, we get at, at about the two, two, two and a half minute mark. I think it really changes it up. You know, like the the song basically for the first time we see one of their songs kind of really take a massive dynamic shift. And we get, like, a really kind of melodic section coming on. Like, really, to me, showed me at this point that they're going to start keeping, they're going to keep things fresh. It's not going to be like everybody polka the whole time. Yep.
0: Yeah, they, they, this one has a cool false ending, and then the outro kind of goes off in its own direction, which is, you know, as you know, something I really love. I really, that's always a good combination. Like, it ends, and then it kind of crashes back in in this new section um, with this cool driving kind of, uh, repeating riff and he's just going brace for impact you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is really memorable and cool yep. i mean the, i get the sense the previous song the burn the sky at like i get a little bit of like a nuclear war kind of vibe from that one lyrically um his lyrics are
1: fucking bleak sometimes <laughs> yeah oftentimes very bleak
0: <laughs> yeah and it's you know every now and then they kind of like start getting a little bit into like grumpy old man territory kind of like we talked about with accept and everything but but i do appreciate that he is subtle about it like he's not it's it's not always totally clear what he's singing about uh it, some of it seems to be coming from a place of like you know disenchantment with with political or, or social issues but it's it's really left open to interpretation of what exactly that means. And I, think I
1: don't mind Ben's talking about our dependence on technology. We definitely have it. And, you know, it's, it's something that humans in humankind needs to be fucking conscious of. I mean, we're definitely way too reliant on this shit. I mean, I see this as I'm talking to you virtually on a fucking, you know, yeah. screen and recording it. I mean, but at, at the same time, like, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, we don't want to lose our humanity. You know, or, or, or be. But you just don't want to do it like a cringy dad, like except that some of these other bands we <laughs> did talk about it. There's a way to do it. There's a way to talk about the tech, like the, the, the you know, the technology state and, and there's a way to do it that's smart and and cool and not fucking cringy and, and dad-like, you know, we don't, because we don't need any of that.
0: Yeah, I don't, and I don't think that that's what we've got going on here at all. No, I don't and as far think so. as this song goes, I mean Brace for Impact, I I like that this is pretty vague. It's it's uh I mean it's a perfect thrash title, Brace for Impact. I mean, like, does that mean, you know, I am kind of picturing like a you know a car crash or something like that, but it could also be like you know, the mosh pit, like you're about to get just slammed <laughs> by some giant dude.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't figure it out at all. I just like he's trying to warn me about something, and I ain't sure what. But...
0: I noticed that uh, they're at least they're doing, like, a short tour. Um, it seemed like mostly, like, the center of the country and the East Coast a little bit, but, uh, but it's called, like, the Brace for Impact 2021.
1: No, that's cool. Well, like that, hopefully, so. hopefully they'll make up that goddamn show they are supposed to do with us that was yeah, supposed right? to happen earlier this month. But it's okay. Hey, boys, if you're listening, you know, come back to Seattle. We want to we rock out with you absolutely well well, speaking of nice happy little titles the next track is called a place to die (laughs) talk about how this guy likes to talk about you know um bleak stuff um and this is you want to talk about drum fills like there are some absolutely savage drum fills in this song all over the place
0: yeah man i mean ken mary is great he's got this like pretty amazing metal pedigree when you think of all the different bands he's played with. Yeah. You and know, his, his, Cooper and, yeah. And his
1: hand speed is just incredible. Like it's, it's, it's remarkable. And um, he's
0: maintained it for a long, long time. I mean, mm-hmm. I, re- I think I first heard him on, you know, the old Chastain records from the yep. late eighties. And at the time I remember being like this, this kicks ass. Like this is a much more aggressive drum style than you heard on a lot of um, you know, was unusually aggressive for the time. I think in the '80s, especially. And then I remember when I saw uh, Flotsam in Seattle three years ago, or whatever, and, and watching the drummer be like, "That this guy's really badass." Like, who is this? And I looked it up, and I was like,
1: "Oh shit, it's the guy
0: from Chastain. Like, that makes so <laughs> much sense. So he's he's definitely like clearly been able to stay healthy and stay on top of his game because he still is able to to play at a, a really at a high level and a high level of energy. I mean, I know it wasn't all one take, but like, this is a very drum driven record. Yeah. And song especially too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this one, um, has, a like more of a, I don't know what to call it. I don't know if it's a classic or hard rock feel to it, but it definitely like, it was less thrashy. It kind of rocked a little more. Yeah. Um, there was a cool halftime feel for part of it, especially the chorus. The chorus was actually quite restrained. I thought mm-hmm. it was like it was—they pulled back the tempo a bit. Um, it's, it's a little more stripped down and, and quite melodic. And as this album progresses, we start to see quite a bit more melodic stuff from these guys. And this is just kind of the first little taste you get of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I thought this was a—I thought this was a rad song. Um, I really, I really liked that. I really liked how they did that with the chorus. I liked it. You know, again, we're it's. This all sounds like one record. The production is very similar in each track, but these songs are all quite distinct. Even if it's, even if it's subtle at times, they're all quite distinct.
0: Yeah, and you know, hearing that chorus in my head, I mean, I, I guess there's only so many ways to say this, but it, it's just, it's not like a normal cliche vocal line. And no, a lot of a lot of bands use more or less the same. You know, there's only so many ways to treat the same to to make a melody over the same harmonic material but he finds these really interesting ways to kind of like emphasize unusual words or to do little ornaments in places where you wouldn't expect and it just to me uh it just constantly keeps my brain engaged when I'm listening to this music
1: yeah I agree I agree um so and the next one is another happy little ditty um about being stuck in, in, your, yeah. in your life is what I kind of took it but you know they, they can't all be you know happy songs this is obvious by this record um, <laughs> but this one is called The Walls and I guess it's like having walls placed up around you barriers and whatnot in your in your life as you're trying to live and accomplish things but you know i i liked the i like the lyrics um you got me listening to lyrics you motherfucker yeah <laughs> but this one's like more of a mid pace kind of chugging chugging riff um i really like the verses uh they're kind of stripped down and the bass like you know it, it is really prominent and um looks like drums and, and the vocals really carry the verses uh-huh. um, the vocals the vocal line is super catchy in the verses and it kind of carries it um, this one is again we 're getting into much more melodic territory um, the The chorus is quite epic um, even despite how bleak the lyric is yeah the, the, the chorus is actually does have quite an epic feel, which does create kind of a cool contrast
0: This one has some cool guitar work too i I noticed like there 's a kind of cool guitar harmony, like a big soaring thing in the beginning that kind of is one of the main hooks of the song um and and it kind of really shows the guitar tone that they have dialed in here which does have a a kind of distinct character that that i was thinking about how to describe it but kind of having a little bit of trouble describing it. but it almost reminds me of um of like 80s priest a little bit
1: yeah yeah i can see that maybe like defenders of the faith era
0: yeah like the guitar tone has this kind of like man i don't even know how to describe it, it almost is this kind of if it were a vocal tone i'd almost call it a little bit nasal like an uh, 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 kind of like a uh it's it's got a little it's bright but it's got this envelope around it um and it it's a little bit different and kind of like you were saying with the production like it's it sounds modern and it sounds um polished but it's a little different from what you'd expect it's got a little bit of a of a it's got a combination of an aggressive edge and kind of a warmth to it that it's a little bit different from other stuff I've heard coming out lately.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. This was, yeah, this was a cool song. This was, you know, I I like this one a lot. I'd say it was one of my more favorite ones on the record.
0: Um, Also I have to say the guitar solo on this, like always caught my attention. Like it's short, but it mm -hmm. kicks ass.
1: Yep. Absolutely. I mean, the other, like I said, the guitars on this are not, they're not like Malmsteen virtuosic or anything, but they serve the purpose that they're there for and they're very capable and they get the point across and, you know, they, a lot of, some of them are quite memorable and the, they are given a good production treatment, which like I said, is something I was gripe about and I don't have to gripe about it. So yeah, I
0: mean, this one in the, in the, like, it's, it's only like, maybe eight bars or something before the vocals come back in, but it's like you get a little bit of neoclassical, you get some shred, you get some expression. There's a nice, big old pinch harmonic and then the the guitar fades back a little bit and supports the vocals um, but is also like the last time I listened to this I was really paying attention to the the lead guitar throughout the song and it's it's quite strong um, and definitely worth listening to
1: agreed agreed so you know if it seems we're moving through these tracks a little quick tonight it's just cuz there's a lot of them <laughs> you know we don't want right. to be we don't want to be in your ear holes for 3 hours um so moving on, um, Cry for the Dead. This is their, I really thought this was cool. Um, yeah. This one is their ballad-esque. I wouldn't call it a ballad. It's a slower song. This I like this because it has a heavier strike feel. It really, mm. really reminded me of Queensryche a lot in a very good way. Um, it's like lots of dynamics. Um, the singing is, very, is quite varied between the different parts because we get like but your the verses and the pre-choruses are are you know very clean, very reserved and very stripped down, and then the leading into the chorus and whatnot, it you know kind of builds up to more of a heavier, um more distorted section. Um but it's there's lots of dynamics and it's 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 an awesome song, it creates a great a great atmosphere. Like I said, it really reminds me of, of Queen Strike, but heavy as fuck. And the production here is, I think this is probably the best produced song on the record. Mm. The production is absolutely spot on for all the instruments, possibly because it's slower, it feels more organic. Maybe Mm. there's less um, edits on it. Maybe, I don't know. But to me, the production was the best on this track.
0: Well, it's a little bit more exposed uh, and you're not, it's not the same kind of, uh, wall of drums going on here yeah um, yeah. so you can sense. hear all, some of the little details uh of the phrasing and the guitar and the voice work a little differently um the tempo shifts i thought were cool like it, it's mm, it, yeah the verses are uh are at a, a slower tempo and then it, it kicks into this quicker heavier thing for the chorus
1: drums i love you
0: and it goes they, they make this really nice smooth transition from the fast back into the slower verse yeah. um and again just very very deft it's subtle it's not they're not making a big deal out of it but it's uh you know it's not something you can do if you're not together as a band and pull mm. off
1: yeah totally it's definitely shows diversity it shows you know songwriting, great songwriting it shows the fact that you know these guys can really play several different styles it, it, and it's placed really well on the record this comes this is all kind of coming at the right time for me yeah you know it's yeah not. exactly and speaking of that gets us into the next song which is really intelligently placed which is the wicked hour i think that's what it's called um mm-hmm. god that drum fill starts this off yeah that's like some that's like tank killer on steroids and it's a great um like position for the track before it you know you're you're all kind of mellowed out and then all of a sudden it comes this insane fucking drum fill and you're just like okay i'm awake i'm awake (laughs) It's like it it kind of snaps you back to like oh yeah by the way this is a very this is almost a thrash record so yeah it's
0: it's like an announcement kind of, of like all right the break time's over you know, back back to it. And before we move on to that one, I just want to give a, little, a shout out on the uh, on "Cry for the Dead." That uh, so in the chorus, it's got one of the best thrash. Yeah, It's,
1: <laughs>
0: it's, it's one of the best yas I've heard in a long, long time. You gotta, a really, if, really solid. Yeah.
1: If you're gonna yeah, it, you, you gotta you gotta fucking lean into it, man. Yeah. You know, if you're yeah, you're gonna yeah. you gotta yeah. Um, So, so yeah, (laughs) Um, but (laughs) (laughs) you got me off guard there. Um, but anyway, wicked hour, we're definitely back off to the races again on this track. Um, it's getting real thrashy again. They're really pushing the tempo on this one. Like it's, it's really like, it's one of those beats where you feel like they're just holding on, you know, by the skin of their teeth to keep, to hold it together. And I, I love that. I love thrash songs. that sound like that. Um, they got the vocals the vocals and the verses almost have like a fuzzing effect on them, which I thought was really neat um, sometimes that 's really stupid and but it, it really serves a purpose here. It kind of sounds like it's you know he 's talking through a megaphone or a radio almost, um, which is pretty neat uh, for me. This song it was really cool I liked it a lot, but the drums were the star here. this was kind of like you know ken mary 's sh- song to really show off i thought Mm -hmm. you know there's some great like um bass drum fills here too you know not just like straight double kicks so there's some amazing bass drum fills um he his talents are just on full fucking display on this track yeah man
0: yeah it's it's definitely um i mean there's there's plenty going on in the in the other parts too but the drums definitely stand out the most it's not as I mean, apart from the effects and there's a catchy chorus, but it's not quite as uh, it didn't grab me as much as a vocal track as some of the other ones did.
1: No, 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 it, 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 it didn't. I mean, I did like the effects on it and I liked how that kind of was transposed with the other ones. It, it's not as dynamic vocal. You're right.
0: Um, well, anything else about that one? Or should we move on to, we're already on track eight, too many lives.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, this one is, this is one I didn't really have much to say about. Um, I like the intro. Uh, it had like a really mellow guitar that was kind of followed by some symbol accompanied by some cymbal hits. I mean, it was fine. Um, but it just didn't – this one didn't really grab me because it just kind of felt like it was similar to um, a lot of the other songs. And it just kind of – but not quite as good, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, this is, this is one of my least favorites on the record. And some of that's the lyrics. Like, he's kind of going – it seems to kind of be about like overpopulation and how we have to like kill more people to solve that problem which I mean I'm not quite sure what the angle is there but that sort of is a the way to me it like reads as a kind of a weird combination between grumpy old man and angsty teenager kind of feeling Uh, but they're like you know too many people too many lives and most are evil look in their eyes but I mean hey if in phoenix maybe that's true
1: (laughs) <laughs> maybe it is it's too fucking hot there for that meeting. yeah right i don't know it is i saw like some friends of mine went down to arizona i dropped them off at the airport the other day and i was like i don't know why the fuck you're going out there this yeah time. right like so i did, if i'm going there i'm going in january you know that's like that's all i'm saying is i'm going there when it is probably gonna be a temperature that i could somewhat tolerate i'm not going near that desert in the summer i went to the las vegas desert once and it was worth it cuz I got to see Halloween with all three singers but that desert is just nasty. it is nasty. it's brutal
0: it's not the kind of place that should be supporting you know multiple millions
1: No I People don't living, think
0: so living like you know lives with lots of with watered lawns and you know flushing the toilet all the time and it's just it just it doesn't work But no, I, I, I mean, it's, as much as the song though, like it, it I didn't love it and it it kind of like the, the lyrical content kind of like is the only one that rubbed me a little bit the wrong way but at the same time there's still some really there I did notice some really interesting things going on with the vocal melodies um, especially like in the there's kind of a uh, post chorus kind of thing there's like a pre chorus and there's kind of a post chorus and they're both on these like the The guitars are playing these diminished chords and Mm -hmm. and Eric AK is like kind of outlining those diminished chords vocally and like picking some really unusual tones from the harmony to to kind of isolate and accentuate and it makes it a really unusual and interesting listen. Um, So even here on which I think from in the big picture is not necessarily it's not one of the stronger songs on the album but there's still, you can hear this artistry in there. Just this, like, really engaging, interesting vocal artistry in terms of the musical choices he's making that I, I couldn't I, I couldn't get myself to change the track because I want to hear that stuff. It's still, it, doesn't, it
1: doesn't suck, yeah. it, it, you know.
0: Yeah, none uh, of the tracks on this album do.
1: No, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's still a cool song. It just, it didn't, I guess it just didn't grab me as much as some of the other ones. That's it, and that's fine because there's a lot of bangers on this one. Mm-hmm. But... The next one did grab me. This is my favorite one on the record.
0: Oh hell yeah, this uh, one kicks ass.
1: Yeah, great, dragon to me. Gray dragon. This is like, if you're gonna meld thrash metal and power metal together, this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. This is like the perfect harmony of like aggressive tempos and, and and thrashy riffs and thrashy beats with you know some borderline fantasy lyrics. Um, Or I don't even know if you can say borderline. It's some straight up fantasy lyrics about a fucking gray dragon. Um, You know, whether it's about something else, I don't know.
0: Well, my interpretation is that it may be talking about the experience of like watching a modern military aircraft fly around or like just looking on the ground. Because that's something that's occurred to me sometimes. Um, You know, looking at like a jet fighter or something and it's like, holy shit that's so cool and it's kind of beautiful in a weird way but it also is like made purely to kill people and not just a few people they should kill like millions of people if yeah
1: we i had that thought too which it might be um
0: well and then today uh funny story in the uh, larping camp so we were running around uh i don't remember what the kids were learning about i think they were learning about how to track so we were looking for tracks in the mud and then there's all of a sudden, and out of nowhere, a, a C-17 Globemaster, so a, an Air Force cargo plane, comes flying in ridiculously low. I don't know what they were doing, um, flying that low, but like buzzes the forest. Hmm. Of course, all these kids are like, they're all zoned into their LARPing fantasy story. And they all point went up in the sky and they're like dragon dragon <laughs> and i immediately thought of this song because i had been listening to this album on the on the way to yeah to work and i was like oh it's literally a gray dragon there it is
1: yeah i saw one of those big fuckers land um somewhere close to jblm right across i-5 the other the other week when i was coming back from working down in portland and you know it did very well could be that um but musically anyway this is like like i said it's Man, the chorus is just incredible in the song. Mm-hmm. It, it's so fun. Um, I found myself like singing it at the top of my lungs in the, in the truck. The, like, even like, the whoa, whoa, whoa part is, is awesome. Yeah. It's, really, it's really, really well produced. The effects on it is great. Um, you know, man, it's just a rad song. I don't even know really what to say about it I, in, in detail. I just fucking love it.
0: It's just fun to, I mean, you get a whoa, 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 whoa. I guess it's kind of a pre-chorus but it's it's done in a way that isn't cliched at all. It's really interesting. Whoa, 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 whoa. and then he does like a harsh vocal thing yeah. at the bottom. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It's it's There's nothing, you know, quite like it, but it's really fun to sing along with. Um, yeah, this one just, this is one of those where I'd get to the end and be like, all right, let's listen to that one again.
1: Yeah, totally. It was definitely, when I kind of put it on the further record on the first time and just, you know, was listening to it, not in detail is taking it all in this was the one that like made my ears really perk up and go oh there's something really exceptional here yeah so yeah this one is 100 percent my favorite um i'd suggest if you're going to start with one track and you want to i would suggest this one this is the one i would pick to say you kind of want to get you want to hear what these guys are doing with this thrash metal power metal mashup you know here's a good here's a good entry point it's very accessible um very memorable very fucking catchy i'm i'm amazed it's buried so far in the album i mean maybe that's one of the reasons why like a song like this to me i would probably place it sooner but at the same time you know it definitely brings a lot of life into the second half of the record
0: yeah it definitely like it anchors the whole second half to me Mm -hmm. Um, and especially cause the previous, really the previous two songs didn't quite do as much for me, but this one brought me right back in. Um, and just, you know, lyrically, whatever it was that he's really talking about is exactly the kind of thing I really like where it seems to be touching on multiple worlds. Like, is it fantasy or is it modern times or is it, you don't really know cause it works either way. And I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, I agree. So yeah, great dead, great dragon. Goddamn. That is, that is a song. We're going to check out one song. That's my recommendation. Um so yeah moving moving forward, we go to reaggression, which is an interesting title um I guess like it's if you're aggressive in i don't know the past tense you you're aggressive Maybe, again, yeah, yeah, you're bringing it back and you weren't aggressive, you were aggressive before, and then you stopped and now you're bringing it back again um although it almost it does the way he pronounces it in the
0: song sounds almost just like regression, regression yeah and he's talking about the relationship between the past and the future and so there's some wordplay there's some real intelligent stuff going on here
1: yeah totally it's not it's not a stupid song title I'm just kind of it just a weird but at first it
0: seems like it might be but then when you listen to the song
1: yeah so the first minute 30 of this is real fast burner and then you know we get like this really cool bass part and it kind of you breaks right down to a really stripped stripped down part and this is kind of one of the times that they just have like a two-part song like it kind of the first Mm -hmm. minute minute and a half or two minutes or whatever it is is really intense and really thrashy and then they break it right down to this really just basic drum and bass part and there's some great singing over top of it um other nice little elements that kind of come and go, little flourishes here and there. And then it kind of just builds up to a big crescendo at the end. So I, I really like songs that are structured like that. So I thought this was really cool.
0: This is really cool. It's, it's, um, this is one I think that middle section is so epic mm-hmm. and it's got a lot of emotion in it. And this is one that I think does belong towards the end of the album. Absolutely. Just because it, does, it sounds like a culmination of so much of what we've heard on the album before this yeah it sounds like it's summing up a lot of the ideas that have showed up in the album previously
1: yeah i i, I, I dig it i thought it was uh yeah it was something different structurally than their other songs had, had been and it was i don't know it was nice to give the i'm always partial when you give the bass player a little you know section where he can do his thing and yeah. stand out on his own with the singer so that was that was pretty cool um so yeah this is a great track and it comes again like you said it comes to a at a great time um Something that you can hear earlier, like in the in the beginning of this song, it's something
0: that you hear with with Eric A.K. from time to time is almost like a kind of hip-hop aesthetic in terms of how he's constructing the vocal lines and the rhymes a little bit. Yeah, a little in bit. the section where he's like singing faster, you can see the blood and hand the violence of a modern man, the echoing of kicking can, the foiling of another plan, you know? Yeah, uh, Yeah, yeah, that's true. And it's it's something that on a couple of the earlier tracks too, and I've noticed in some of their earlier albums, like he occasionally gets that kind of like rhyme structure that sounds almost like he's rapping or something. I mean, there's always a melody to it, yeah. Um, but again, just like a nice contrast, especially in a song like this, where yeah, it starts off, you get the fast-paced vocal, the quick rhymes, you know, the the um, you know almost hip hop kind of rhythm to it but then in the middle section it's really big you know almost kind of operatic kind of thing going on we get this song has probably some of the best harmonies i think on the record yeah Um, it's they're pretty smart about the way they use harmonies it's pretty subtle a lot of the time there's almost always a really clear dominant vocal line and the harmonies just kind of give it color but in this one they really decide to kind of go all out and mm-hmm. add a bunch of layers in that middle section to give it that sense of. It was a perfect time so, to do
1: it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I liked it a lot. Um, it, the, yeah, again, I don't know, just a great song. <laughs> I think I've kind of said everything I can say to you know pump its tires. Um, the next one it was another one that it was next one was called I think it was Untamed or Undone or what the Undone. Undone, yeah. that's right. Um, yeah, this, this is the one to me. I'm like, why is this here? Yeah the riff was cool. Um, yeah. you know, I, I I thought the riff was fine. Um, it's three minutes. When I saw the time I was kind of hoping they would do like a real quick like to me like a, what would sound cool here would be a three minute song but like a really fast burning instrumental or something like that. Yeah. You know that I think would have had a lot more impact. This song does kind of feel like an afterthought. Like they needed something here between Reaggression and the last song. But they don't, though, is the thing. No, they really don't. I mean, or it's just, you know, you know how it is, man. Like, so, sometimes you get songs and like your children and it's a hard time telling them they can't come along on the family they can.
0: Yeah, you know, or, or one, one particular member, like, really had a lot of investment in this song, but not so much in the other ones. It can happen. It can. Although...
1: And it, doesn't, it certainly doesn't ruin the record or, 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 or do anything no. terrible. It's just, to me, it's probably going to be a skip. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't suck, but it's
0: probably the weakest link on the album. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it's got a little bit of a, every time I listened to it, I was like, this, this gives me like a slight nu metal feeling. And I'm not totally sure what it is about it. I think it's just the, the main riff and uh, even the title undone kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't really seem like it fits with the rest of them, Um so yeah, I don't know. I don't. There's no point in really harping on it too much. It just it didn't suck, but it just kind of didn't really do nothing for me. Yeah. Um, and then to end it, we get seven seconds to the end. And this is a very cool song too. This oh, was yeah. a cool way to end it. Um, lots of variety. This is it's actually one of the most melodic um, songs on the record. I thought. Um, and a very big epic chorus. And now, why don't you talk about this one?
0: Yeah, I mean it's. Um it's just a nice, it's, it's really melodic. It's, it's in and out pretty quickly. And it ends the album on a high note. I thought it was really interesting. The, the, the way that they kind of, the way that he constructed the vocal lines in the chorus, even the title of the song, seven seconds to the end of the world, seven seconds to the end of the world. He goes up and I, I should know what that interval is. I'm not. He goes up uh, like a, I think it's like a minor seventh or a, or major sixth in a place you wouldn't really expect it, um, but it does kind of give it this frantic kind of like on the edge of your seat feeling. And I think that's what they're going for, honestly, with this song. Like the world's about to end. Like we're we're rushing towards the conclusion of something. Um, and so yeah, instead of getting a you know a slow epic conclusion where you get to kind of think over what you've just listened to which is one way to end an album right mm-hmm. this is very much like we're gonna like sprint to the end
1: yeah totally now yeah that that's quite refreshing I mean I guess a lot of bands like to um, like as us as we did like have something like epic or different or left field and these guys just kind of say you know what we're just gonna Put a nice fast bow on this one and yeah it it does end a really a really great record really nicely Mm -hmm. but yeah i mean that's that's kind of my thoughts on this album maybe it's just i didn't have any complaints at all really this is a contender for album of the year i can say without a shadow of a doubt it is going to be on my top album of the year list um i did not expect this record to be this good um I did not expect to, this record to be one that I see sticking with me for several years, if not until, you know, you know, until I'm fucking cold dead in the ground. <laughs> you know, I was gonna say until I stop listening. I am trying to figure out what would I be if I stop listening to music or metal. That day ain't coming. I'm 40 years old, and you know, I listen to it as much as I did when I was 20. Um,
0: well, I have I've seen that the Flotsam and Jetsam motto and like their website and everything is flots till death yeah exactly. so so there we go <laughs>
1: yeah i mean i, I was i, I mean I, i'm a fan of a lot of their albums um you know i really like the first two i really like the last one There's another one called my god that was released in like the 2000s that i really liked a lot um so i've been with these guys for a while um but i did not expect this album to kind of i expected it to be good but i didn't expect to hear something that i thought was really exceptional and you know was actually going to be something that I put on my top albums of the year list and that was going to stick with me you know cuz for a long long time
0: yeah i mean and and they've put out the last few albums in pretty quick succession too so they're 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 staying pretty inspired and staying pretty active which is cool and they're definitely on a bit of an upward slope it seems like their latest i guess renaissance kind of started with that self-titled album in 2016 yeah Um, and then the end of chaos in 2019 which is very good but uh i've i i did not feel like that was quite as memorable as this one no this was way better even the self-titled like i thought had a couple more memorable unusual songs and then the end of chaos is very good but it's it doesn't have as many standout moments this kind of combines the the level of, of tightness and quality of End of Chaos and then adds those memorable moments in there to really make the highs really high you know
1: yeah I know I agree this is this is you know a lot of people are saying is the best thing they ever did and you know like I said there's an argument to be made there yeah. it, it, it very possibly could be I mean I don't know that Flotsam and Jetsam is a band I have opinions strong enough about to make like a top you know albums list at least not yet I probably if I went and dug back deep but you know this one i mean it's probably my favorite um yeah you well, know it, the, and
0: it's and you hear a, a maturity of artistry that i mean i think a lot of people would probably say that no place for disgrace is the is the classic lots of majestic album yeah yeah for um, sure and and that that album has some incredibly epic songs like the title track or i live you die which is an awesome song um, but you know, they're they're young and they're still kind of figuring it out, and that, that album is is not as consistent as this one. This no. one is has a as a much it's it's more consistent, and it's more subtle, uh, but it's still really heavy, it's still really energetic, and it's a hell of a good time.
1: Yeah. So hey, fucking right. So I'm giving obviously giving this one a thumbs up, my full endorsement. I think everybody should go pick this record up. Yeah, you know, in whatever way you purchase or Get music. I've got my vinyl uh, on order. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great one. Definitely a contender for album of the year. I think it's going to be in a lot a lot of people's album of the year. It's going to be in a lot of people's in top ten, top five, top twenty, top hundred, whatever the heck people do. Um, I'm honestly blown away by it. So I think it's it's the best one we've done on the show so far. I would say, you know, by by a fair margin. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely go listen to it. Go listen to their other albums. Um uh, there's a, there's definitely a gold mine there. Yeah, for sure.
1: All right, so we're going to move into move out of that one um and into our picks of the week. So, why don't you go first this week, man? What do you got? Uh, I've got um
0: the most recent album by the Finnish band Insomnium. The album is Heart Like a Grave. Um and this is an album that's I wouldn't call it a guilty pleasure. Cause it's, um, I don't feel guilty about it. I think it's a really, really great <laughs> album, but I can sort of see why someone might, I guess, make fun of this band or not be so into it. Insomnium's a band that I've actually been into since the very kind of beginning of their career. I remember sorting through the stacks at Hastings and I'm not sure if Hastings was ever up in this part of the country, but in New Mexico, we had Hastings, which was like the, I don't know, the, the, the corporate music store. And, um, you know, going through the records and I found one like this band Insomnium and the cover was just like a tree over a river. Um, and it was like, you know, you kinda I, I bought it just because the album cover looked like something I'd probably like. This is two thousand two probably. And um I uh I just kinda bought it side on scene to listen to it and it was kinda like, yeah, this is this is fun. Like listen to these these Finnish nerds like whispering in between their harsh vocals, like whispering about like the dark forest of sorrow, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, But they had some real moments of brilliance. And so I kind of like followed them for the next couple albums and saw them on their first U.S. tour. And I was like, damn, this, this, these guys are fun. You know, Um, they're, they're formulaic, but they're fun. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's standard kind of at the time, standard melodic death metal, um, with, with uh, big soaring melodies and like lyrics about grief and sorrow and falling leaves, <laughs> um, which, you know, it still kind of is, but uh, after their first few albums, I kind of like lost touch with the band for a little bit. And then um, not too long ago, I guess really when this one came out, um, I kind of, t- you know, I heard of it a couple of times uh, at some of their recent albums. I was like, all right, like they're still going on the same formula. It's good, it works, they're getting better. They're clearly more popular than they used to be. This is cool. Uh, but then when I first got my turntable in 2019, I was like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy a new album by a band I like that I haven't heard yet. That's the first time I'm going to do that on vinyl. It's the first time I ever did that. Is Because all the vinyl albums I had that thus far at that point I had heard digitally or on other media. But this is going to be an album I buy on vinyl and listen to for the first time. And I, I found this Insomnium album and I was like, yeah, I wonder what these guys have been up to. And I bought this album and it's very much identifiably the same band, the same subject matter, the same kind of, uh, you know, again, it's could be easy to make fun of it because they could be like a parody of themselves. Like all the songs are about being sad in the forest, but it's just really, really good. Like, it's just, they, they took that formula, the same thing that I, you know, heard back in 2002 and they just kept working at it until they like, have brought it to, you know, at least thus far, the highest level um, they could get. So anyway, this album is um, production-wise, it's a very thick kind of, I don't want to say sludgy, but it's like a dark chocolate kind of sound. Like everything is very much in this warm kind of envelope of sound. It's all very, uh, there's nothing sharp on it. It's very, very smooth which i don't know if maybe not everyone would like that but man it just goes down so easy it's so i just i keep wanting to put it on because it just tastes like i mean it sounds like it, it yeah like chocolate ice cream or like a a stout like a really good stout you know like a you. nitro stout or something it has this dark really smooth really melodic but satisfyingly heavy kind of sound, at least at least to me. They've added little bits of clean vocals here and there between the harsh vocals. They've added a guitar player who can really shred and who brings a sense of drama to it, you know, where it's time for a solo. So the guy's going to come out and just like play one note and bend it. You know, it's ridiculous, but I love it. Um, and this, so I just, if, if you're into this kind of thing and haven't checked out Insomnium, I highly recommend it. If you just want to hear a, a fun, uh, satisfyingly, like I don't know, it's like easy listening death metal, you know. just nice. You just, <laughs> you just it, it, and for that reason, it's nice to like put on at night. It's nice to put on in the morning, listen to it all day. Why not? Um, it's got some really cool songs. Uh, something that Insomnium does is they, again, they've got their little formula and they've got their own little ways of doing things. Like every album of theirs, except they did one that was like one 40-minute track. But apart from that, every album they have starts with like a, uh, like a one-and-a-half to two-minute song that starts quiet with like a piano or something and builds up, and then there's like a really short, heavy section, which then transitions into the first like full song of the album, um, which, you know, is usually like a six- or seven-minute kind of um, epic but with choruses um, long but with uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm rambling but anyway they've got this this little like short song and long song that are p- paired together on every album and they they do it on this one and it really works and I just really like it when a band finds something like that that like is just their own little take on it and they're going to continue developing it after album after album their little signature and it's going to get better and better um, so that's the, the opening track, Whale of the North, and then Valediction is the, the longer song. And then there's a uh, track three is one of the best tracks on the album called Neverlast, um, all about how everything is doomed to fall into shadow. And then um, there's a, a about almost 10 minute song, one of the longer songs they've ever done called Pale Morning Star, which is just this really cool um, epic song that has, they, they've added some blast beats in there. Um, they've got the big guitar solos, there's some acoustic stuff. They get some like s- subtle orchestral stuff with timpani towards the end. Um, so it's it's heavy, it's catchy. it's it's uh, smooth, it's melodic. It's emotional. To me, this is my I think the best melodic death metal album I've ever heard. So that's a style that I think gets a lot of hate, especially from people who, like the sharper edged, more melodic um, vocals of, of, of traditional style. But if you wanna check out a melodic death metal album, I point you in this direction because this to me is my personal favorite in that genre by Head & Shoulders, you know,
1: oh. in a way the best. So, awesome. Um, anyway. Well, I picked something completely different than that yep. um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, well, there's a bit of a connection. The connection we mentioned earlier, we're talking about Flotsam and Jetsam. when so there's a a mm-hmm. connection between these two bands. And also, this band released a little, little ditty like 30 years ago called The Black Album. And they just announced a 30th anniversary package, which has a bunch of like mainstream musician dorks doing like, there's like, there's, like six versions, cover versions of each song on the album in this box set. <laughs> It is, like, the most self-indulgent, stupid fucking thing I've seen in a long time. And the price is just egregious. Like, it's just crazy. And I don't know. I was, like... So I had to, like, remember a time when these guys were fucking cool. So (laughs) the time when these guys were the coolest, in my opinion, was on their first record. So my choice is the classic by Metallica called Kill Em All. This album is with... Along with, like you know bonded by blood by exodus and it is just and you know the uh you know um hello AIDS by slayer this is just quintessential thrash metal mm-hmm. this is like when thrash was thrash 100 percent. this is this is the this is the deal right here this is the real fucking deal um so yeah this one i guess they put up they put out a demo called metal of your ass uh before this and they had um you know, a, a live tape that was circulating around. But this is the first time they did a full-length album. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Megaforce Records' first pull put it out because Johnny Zizou was the producer. Um, and it was done in, in 1983 is when it came out. Um, and everyone kind of knows the famous story behind it. Like, these dudes... Talk to Johnny Z and he said, hey, let's make this, let's record your first full length. Let's get this done. Because at this point, these guys are the hottest thing on the West Coast. They're in the Bay Area. They're just killing it. You know, they're the kings of the underground. So they load up all this shit in a, in a truck and a U-Haul and they start driving across the country. At this point, Dave Mustaine's still in the band and he almost kills them about three times, you know, during their trip across country because he's just absolutely getting hammered and almost drives the truck off the road and He's acting like a complete self-destructive idiot. So they decide to fire him. And when they fire him, they wake his ass up off the ground and they put him on a bus and, you know, send him on a Greyhound bus back to California. Um, which is, I mean, when a guy acts like that, sorry, Dave, that's what you deserve, buddy. Um, so, they put, so they get Kirk Hammett to come out and play. Uh, he does the leads on this record. Um, this album... I still love it to this day. Um, it's it's was very important to me as a young man. Like I I listened to this album nonstop as a as a late teens early twenties. Like this was just you know I don't know. I just will always listen to this in a way that it was 1983. You know because it just captures the energy and the excitement of, of there's so much youthful energy on this on this album. It just bleeds out of the speakers. You can't, it's undeniable. The quality of the songs, like Hit the Lights has, and it was that jazz musician that recorded, but like Hit the Lights has one of the best um, guitar solos in heavy metal history on it. It's so good. Um, Four Horsemen, everyone knows that one. Motor Breath, everyone knows it. Jump in the Fire, same. Cliff Burton's epic, iconic bass solo, Anesthesia Pulling Teeth. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Whiplash is like one of those first anthemic songs about heavy metal, like, that, that, that bands would do. Phantom Lord, very underrated. No Remorse, my personal favorite Metallica song. Absolutely heavy as hell. Um, Seek and Destroy is like all time classic. Um, one of the most identifiable riffs ever, even if they lifted it from Diamond Head. Who cares? It's awesome. Um, metal Militia, just again, more like youthful, exuberant songs about how much they love heavy metal and being metalheads. And like this, it's just amazing this band had so much integrity, you know, they, they were like the, they were the, the fucking guys dude back in the day. And, you know, they've just become what they've become um, for, and I don't really like, you know, um, I don't, I don't begrudge them for it. Cause you know, I, I understand wanting to be a billionaire. I get it. You know, someone offered me that chance. I'd probably take it. Cause why the hell, why the hell wouldn't you? Um, if you're, if you wind up in that, in that, in that place with that opportunity to take over the world, I mean, it takes a, either a strong or a weird individual to say no. <laughs> but uh, they, um, you know, back then, man, these guys just, they were, they're the coolest thing going. And um, I just needed a little reminder of that after today, reading about today's um absolutely ridiculous self-indulgent box set and you know you mean you, mean
0: you don't want to hear Weezer's cover of Ender Sandman? Good
1: Christ <laughs> I don't want to hear anyone's cover of Ender Sandman I mean Motorhead did a cool one um yeah. I, th- I think they, I think they did one back in the day and it was probably cooler than Metallica's version if you ask me but it was just like man I just miss the days where these dudes were like you know if some other band did that these guys would have just fucking hated it back in the day because that's just you know they were just cool ass motherfuckers. So I just needed a little reminder that, you know, Metallica ruled back in the day. I don't need to tell you to go pick up Kill 'Em All. If you're listening to this show, you probably already know this album and probably already have it. But there are some people that don't listen to metal who like to listen to us yammer on about music anyway. And that's cool. We appreciate you guys too. And, you know, we appreciate the messages and whatnot talking about how it's cool to hear artists talking about art, which is neat. Um, Mm, we sp- definitely appreciate that we're the ones you've chosen to let to ramble on about <laughs> about art um but yeah it's uh if you haven't heard it man for whatever reason "Kill 'Em all is just like it's a snippet in time it will transport you back to a sweaty smoky club with like hilarious lighting and lots of um smoke machines and stuff in 1983 it's just it's just the best um, which is going to kind of lead us into our topic, which is, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, kind of, we've talked about selling out in music on a previous show. So we're going to talk about bands that kind of like stick to their guns because, you know, and Jetson is one of those bands that, you know, they, they, they really have stuck to their guns over the years. You know, they, they, they've stayed kind of true to the underground. You don't really see any inklings of them even thinking about really selling out. Um, at least I don't think so. If they they are, they're under my radar.
0: Well, if you listen to like, I mean, yeah, not really. But at the same time, they did adapt. You know, they definitely like in the early 90s, they were not, you know, playing straight ahead thrash necessarily. They were kind of like exploring a little bit of like an alternative kind of 90s sound. But it still sounds like Flotsam and Jetsam. So I think that's an interesting question is like between selling out and just completely, you know, sticking to, you know, the same sound you had on your first album, where is, you know, where, how far do you go into adapting into the currents of, you know, a, a big paradigm shift like there was in the nineties without losing, I like, how far do you go before you sell out, you know?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you can call it selling, you can just try, you can call it trying to sell out. I think it reeks of desperation when bands did that. I mean, we've talked about this album before, but Slayer's Diabolus and Musica, when they tried yeah. to do the new metal thing, is just just one of the biggest pieces of shit I ever heard. It's awful. It's just completely tone deaf. Um, and what made them think that they're, I mean, they're already massive. I don't know what made them think they had to do that. Um, Maybe it's record label pressure, maybe, especially back then, because I think they were on Deaf American still then. I don't know what label they wound up being, because I stopped paying attention to their career in the 2000s. Um, But, you know, it's there's there's definitely some people who have stuck to their guns, and the first name that comes to mind is Motorhead. Mm -hmm. I mean, if there's a band that never wavered, never faltered, never changed from, God, the early 70s to you know, when Lemmy's uh, uh, passing a couple of years ago, um, God, that's, that's the band, dude. Like they never, they never changed. <laughs> I mean, even though there was, I mean, it's Lemmy's band, even though they had multitude of lot, lineup changes. I mean, they stuck to it through thick and thin. And, you know, you could say the same thing about like Wino and his band, The Obsessed or any of his other projects. I mean, that dude just kept doing that Sabbathy, post-Sabbath doom thing. Forever. I mean, even when he said, you know, and he ever heard him talk about it, it's like, you know, in the 90s, like thrash it and got real big and everybody wanted everything fast. And that kind of left me behind. But this is what I do, you know, and there's definitely something to be said for that. I do believe that, you know, there's lots there's room for experimentation, you know, mm-hmm. there definitely is room to evolve there's definitely room to explore different soundscapes and, and try different things. And I think as a band, unless you're gonna, I mean, I guess there's a couple of different approaches. You can be ACDC, you can be Motorhead, you know, you, you can, and you can just say, this is what we do and that's it, you know, and we are just going to keep doing that. And, you know, people laugh at ACDC um, for writing the same, allegedly writing the same. album. I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, I can hear, It's definitely similar, but I don't think they've been writing the same album for 20 years. Mm -hmm. They're laughing all the way to the bank and (laughs) they're sold out stadiums and and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think they give a rat's ass if people think they write the same song all the time. Um, But you can do that or, you know, there there are bands or or you do. I think you do have to change a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't have to change drastically, but I think if you want to keep people interested in your sound and keep them coming back, you do have to kind of try to shift a little bit. I mean, whether that's with the times, whether that's with the trends, or whether that's just with your brain and what you like, um, you know, it it has to be done. But the, the, the question of where the line is, um, I don't know, man. I mean, definitely all the bands who tried to go new metal in the two thousands, that, that was a line. It, was, it sucked. Um, all the bands who tried to write grungier stuff. I mean, some bands did it okay. Like, you know, Anthrax, this is going to raise some people's ire, but, you know, what Anthrax did in the 90s, I think was kind of necessary for their survival. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of John Bush era Anthrax. There's a couple songs that I did. Um, mostly it's just too weird for me. I like John Bush's voice a lot. I'm a big fan of his singing, especially Old Armored Saint. I absolutely love Old Armored Saint. But you know, some of that stuff was weird, but they definitely shifted. But I don't know that it was in a sella direction. It was just you know more, hey, you know, no one's listening to Thrash anymore. We're career musicians, we gotta get a payday. Right. So
0: um well, some of it I think it's it's important to know your limitations as a band too and and because i don't know like with this and vocals come into that too like so obviously whatever slayer was trying to do in diabolus and musica like tamaraya was not quite up to that task um but i mean that was and there's there's multiple obviously multiple problems with that but like i think like you mentioned lemmy that's someone who knows that like they had their style that worked for them and it Mm -hmm. probably you know if Motorhead had tried to sound like Pearl Jam it not only would have been sad from a sellout angle it just wouldn't have worked and it wouldn't have sounded good to anyone.
1: Yeah and you know Motorhead did some ballads you know they've done probably seven or eight and some (laughs) of them stink. I'm just being (laughs) objective here some of them stink. Some of them are pretty good though I'm trying to think. Who? I mean, Flotsam's another band. Yeah, like they they did play around, but they uh overall, you know, they've they've stuck it out. They've gutted it out, you know. And I guess that's part of it too. Is you know, when you're if you're a metal band and you want to stay being a metal band, you know, you really have to. You know, there, there's been especially since the '80s into the '90s and the 2000s, there was a lot of trends that came and went. You know, metal was a bad name for. A while with you know mainstream music people. Um so I guess some some bands were able to just fly the flag in the face of it. I mean, they're a very maligned band now, and a lot of people don't like them, uh, because mainly because they're singers a douchebag. Um, but I mean you know, Pantera flew that flag in everybody's face in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They were like, fuck you, we are a metal band and we're on the Billboard Top 100." But you know, Pantera were kind of like the Van Halen of that generation. You know, they had a style and a swagger, and there were just so much goddamn talent in that band. Like, you weren't going to stop them, um, whether you like the music or not. But there's a band, you know, there's an interesting story. That band has been around since 83. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, maybe even before that, they started when they were 15, and they had, you know, the whole glam era where they were doing that kind of stuff. And, you know, then they did the whole switcheroo and went really aggressive. And I don't know that I would call that selling out because if anything, they got m- more difficult to listen to. Um, yeah. But they definitely saw that the hair metal thing and the glam rock thing of the 80s was coming to an end and they had to do something.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with seeing an opportunity and seeing a niche. And, and if it's something that feels right to fit into, then giving it a shot. Yeah. You know? I, and I know
1: those guys always liked, uh, like I know Dimebag was always really into Metallica and a lot of the thrashier bands and the stuff that was heavier than he was doing at the time. So I probably wasn't, it probably didn't take much convincing to get him to go write something like Cowboy Hell, which is my personal favorite record from them, And probably still the only one I really listened to mm-hmm. apart from the, the, apart from the earlier stuff, um, just the nineties stuff, the tall tough guy, you know, welcome home boy. Doesn't really resonate with me in my forties, no. you know. Resonated with me in my teens and my twenties. I was like, "Yeah, man, fucking right." But now I'm like, <laughs> ah, "Shut up!" Like I can kick your ass, but just like Bill and telling me to walk on home would be pretty funny. <laughs> just, <laughs> just wouldn't happen. Um, I know he, he thinks he's pretty tough, but you know that just doesn't. It's just kind of stupid, and it doesn't fly with me anymore. Um, but there's definitely like. It's it's interesting because there's some guys like I said like Wino and Lemmy and um, you know certain bands like that, that have stuck it out. I mean even guy like even guys like Exodus. I mean like Gary Holt. I mean Gary Holt joined Slayer, um, which I imagine was a much better paycheck for him than Exodus. But you know those guys have slugged it out and they've they've stayed an ugly thrash metal band through the years. And I really like the stuff they did in the 2000s. I didn't. Care too much. I like the music when Rob Dukes came in the band, but he's just a douchebag. Um, like I went and saw them live, and they had this song called "Children of a Worthless God," mm-hmm. and he intro the song with "I fucking hate everyone from the Middle East," and I'm just like, "Well, I'm gonna go home." You know, it was basically. I was like, they just fuck, I mean, Creator was on after, so I stuck around. And Exodus was was kicking ass, and that was the thing. Like they were just kicking ass, and you know, this you have this fucking idiot who's just up there completely, you know, killing the vibe. But um, they're they're another band that's that's kind of stuck it out. Um, and you know, kudos, Testament, another band yeah. that never yeah. really, you know, the close. I mean, they kind of got accused of selling out when they did oh god the ritual um because ritual was much more melodic and it had a music video and it wasn't like (laughs) it wasn't like super thrash but you know it's i i I don't think it's a solid record close if it's a solid record they did a piss poor job (laughs) (laughs) because i mean there's a ballad on it but they had ballads on other records so there but there's another band that's kind of stuck to their guns and if anything gotten heavier over time
0: yeah i think testament seems like they're a there's analogous to Flotsam and Jetsam in some ways and that they really did. They, they experimented with some different stuff in the nineties, but sort of maintained a core level of creative integrity throughout everything. And then I think the reward for that, if you do that is that then you have the chance of actually making your best albums in your fifties, you know? Yeah, true. Which is a really, you know, that kind of flies in the face of the conventional wisdom that like rock and roll is, you know, for for young people who have youthful energy and are are able to put that on disc, and that's what counts. And and you look at someone a band like Metallica, and that seems to be true. You know that like they they ran out of youthful energy at a certain point, and then it's they got too out of much quality. money. Yeah, exactly. But but a band like Testament or Flotsam and Jetsam, it's not quite that way. Like they they clearly have maintained the integrity, and they put out their by some measures at least their best albums in recent years well there's
1: also the the thing the other thing to consider is that for some people this is a job like metallica is trying i mean metallica can i mean those guys should just i mean i guess they're trying because like they're really trying to make something real heavy on that you know we're all fuck shit out of luck album whatever it was called hardwired to self-destruct um that's right (laughs) that's stupid fucking album but um you know, I just don't know that they have it in them anymore, but, you know, they they don't, they can retire. Like, they, they get bazillions of dollars. I think Jason Newstead still says he still makes like six figures off Black Album royalties. Right. Which is <laughs> just, just stupid. Um, so, I don't think they need any more money, but it is a business, right? Like, when you get to, I think some of these guys get to, I don't think the guys in Flotsam and Jetsam are making their careers off this band. I think they probably all work in some manner, whether it's a day job or they have other jobs in the music industry mm-hmm. or they're, or whatever the fuck, I think they have other alternate sources of, of revenue. I don't see this album paying the bills for, for five guys. Um, so, you know, it, it, I guess that's the choice you make is whether you want to try to be a career musician or whether you just want to make the records you want to make or, and you know, make your money how you want to make it, which is you know, kind of what, what we currently do. I mean, mm-hmm. unless you win the lot, I mean, sometimes you can win the lottery and you know, your band can wind up blowing up. I mean, definitely the dreams of rock stardom are nothing I want to cr- crush for anyone out there, but you know, um, so that that that's an, that's an interesting one. Um, but then there's the one of the funny things in the 90s is how a lot of bands dealt with that by getting strangely they got, they just got weirder they didn't mm-hmm. really like Rush is a weird one have you ever listened to the 90s Rush no not that's fucking weird dude I don't know how to describe it they kind of went grungy a little bit but it's still super proggy um Halloween went kind of weird in the 90s like they had some strange off-kilter proggy stuff I mean a lot of those German bands just kind of I mean, metal never kind of stopped over there. So they just kind of kept doing their thing. Um, But a lot of these bands, like how they approached um, the nineties was like, just kind of stopped trying to stop being so metal. And they kind of just tried to be a little more classy about it, like a little progier or whatnot. And it just created for some very strange records.
0: What do you think of Dio's 90s stuff? Like Strange Highways and Angry Machines.
1: I think it's cool, man. I mean, he, he definitely... Um, I think Dio's stuff in the 90s is the least... is not great. It's not cringy, at least. No. Um, it's definitely not my favorite stuff he did. Um, but there's a lot of cool shit on there. And it, it is, in a lot of ways, kind of a fresh take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on his voice and on his style. So, you know... I kind of like Magicka and Strange Highways and stuff like that. Like this yeah. this definitely like it's it's not my go-to when I go to listen to Dio, but sometimes, you know, if I'm on a Dio kick, I'll want to switch it up from the classics and I'll go to one of those albums.
0: Same here. Yeah, it's it's just it's interesting because it's not you'd never call it selling out because it's like harder to listen to, less melodic, weirder, um and clearly he was not in a happy place in part i think in in, in ways that related to what the music industry was doing at the time but definitely there's some interesting moments that come out of that yeah Uh, totally but sometimes it seems like the thing that's important to do is just to maintain the to do something almost like to just like to keep trying to come up with something authentic and even if it comes out a little strange sometimes even if if, even if you
1: you hit the nail on the head there with the word authentic because that's yeah. what, it, that's what it's gotta be. I mean, if it's, if it's authentic and it's real, then people are going to hear that. Um, if you're reaching, I mean, if you're, if you're either a, you're trying to sell out or B you're trying to go off into a certain trend or C you're just not very inspired and you're reaching, people are going to hear it and it's going to be obvious. And I think a lot of times When people aren't inspired to write that music they've always written, um, either because A, they're tired of it, B, the environment around them is not conducive to it, C, maybe there's outside pressures from you know labels, managers, whatever, to do something else. It it, when they try, it it never comes across as as good. (laughs) Right. You know, to, to me, like to me, there's bands like Deep Purple did some weird stuff in the 90s. And it came across as super authentic. Like the, the album, you know, there there's just a lot of a lot of that. I can't remember the name of the album. Well, I can see the album cover in my fucking head. Maybe it's perpendicular. Um, but it's just it's a weird album, but it comes across as super authentic and it's like they just did this because they had this idea and they wanted to make it happen. And so you could there's definitely some experimentation that can be you know, some left field shit that can be cool. It just depends on does it come across as something that's done by the artist because they want to do it or is it just them is it some other outside factor that's influencing?
0: yeah i mean i think if you look at there's a lot of great artists that have you know one or two kind of misses in their catalog but you can tell if it's authentic there's still going to be some stuff that's cool on it even if like the general idea didn't end up working
1: yeah i mean everyone chucks a stinker once in a while you know it's it it, 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 ha- it happens or but i guess the other the, the alternative is to shit to get stale. I mean, to me, I love Hammerfall a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I really love, you know, the for the self-titled, I love Legacy of Kings, I love Crimson Thunder and, and that Unbent, Unbowed, Unbroken one. But after that album, the concept starts to wear real thin mm-hmm. on me and it's just, it's like they're doing watered down versions of their old songs. And mm-hmm. I love the band, I think that the first couple albums are some of the best power metal that's ever been written by anyone. Um, Some of the best throwback traditional metal that's ever been written by anyone. Mm -hmm. I love it. I'll go see them live every fucking time they come through town. I've partied with them. They're the, some of the best guys I ever met in in heavy metal. They're such cool dudes, but the last few albums have been, I, I found them to be pretty uninspired. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know. They made that a video with the cur- Swedish curling women's curling team. It was pretty rad. Oh,
0: I still need to see that. You were telling me about that. <laughs>
1: you got to see it, man. It's it's really it's, it's a hard, it's a hearts on fire video with the women's curling team, and it's okay. fucking great. I've Gotta um, check that out. But I guess that's the uh, that's the other thing. Is sometimes you know shit can just get redundant, and you're like, okay, well now what? So
0: yeah, I mean, in a band like Hammerfall, they've got like. I mean they're clever they've kind of created their own little niche and their own lyrical themes that that signify oh that's Hammerfall they're talking about like Templars and Templars of Steel whatever the hell that means I still don't know what that is
1: I don't know what a Templar of Steel is but it's right (laughs) right but when you hear
0: that you're like oh it's Hammerfall but now it's like all right we well we've we've got like six albums worth of Templars of Steel and maybe Maybe we should try something different.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, but the lyrics now are just sounding like they straight up come from the heavy metal lyric generator. Yeah. I'm just not about that. Like I, I just can't do it. So, but anyway, I guess maybe like, I don't know. I don't know what the point of this discussion really is as far as wrapping it up. But I mean, I just, some guys, the guys who stick to their guns. I mean, kudos to you guys. Like guys like mm-hmm. Lemmy and Wino and um, you know, all these guys that if you even guys that, you know, Live existed through the nineties and stuck it out, and now they come out on the other side of that, and that new metal have come on the other side and are still making great records. Like, man, that's some dedication and some staying power. And you clearly love making music if you're going to do it over the span of like you know four decades. Like, wow, that's that's pretty commendable. Absolutely,
0: and I guess it's, I mean this goes along th- along the lines of things we've said before, but like it's it's okay to change and adapt and adapt to survive and adapt to the, the you know, the needs of, of what, you know, your audience wants to hear to a certain extent. But while you're doing that, you have to maintain that connection to your inspiration that's real or else it's not gonna seem real. But as long as you maintain that connection to the true inspiration and, and why you started doing it in the first place, then you can change and you can adapt and you can like experiment and it'll still work. And It's the the love matter of authenticity uh, and, and people, you know, can tell when it's not, (laughs) when it's
1: not authentic. Well said, man, authenticity. That's the word of the week from, from us here, keepers of the flame. All right. Well, I think that's a good summary. and A good way to wrap up this episode with a really rad album. So, you know, we are going to keep back at it. We'll probably have another little hiatus in July.
0: Um, Yep. I'm going to be out in the wilderness for two weeks. So I'm, will not be able to podcast uh, because I'll be 100% off the grid for a couple weeks.
1: But we will be back next week and we will be talking about the brand new self-titled Halloween record and I'm very much looking forward to that because I've been quite enjoying what I've heard so far. Um, So, yeah. Absolutely. We will uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. Um, Keep your heads up, get through that work week and we will see you next weekend with more heavy metal nerdery and shenanigans. So, Take care.
0: All right, rock on.